The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast with hosts Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, no, no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. Dave, Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I hope you were there last night to watch the awesomeness of the Saints or LSU, or you can watch the Astros in the playoff game tomorrow. They should have drink specials or something, but they have 136 draft beers. You're going to need them all. You can just drink one for every time the, Yan- the Astros hit a home run and pound the Yankees into the dirt. So the Pelican House, they are awesome. You go there, it's football season. What else are you going to do in Baton Rouge? You go to Pelican House, you can get your drink, get your drink on, get your eat on. Come on. The Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They support us, so you should support them. When was the last time the Saints, LSU, and Tulane won all on the same weekend? Dude, I don't know. See, that was Not a- that long ago. I promise. Yeah. Buddy D used to track that stat all the time because it was so rare back in like 0203. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was probably because the Saints were screwing it up all the time. Probably. Well, I mean, they absolutely. Were... Well, the Saints and Tulane, yeah. they were both kind of automatic for a while. Here, this game last night. This game last night, the Saints finally get a win. Woo! One and three. Woo! One and three. I'm gonna say that was the craziest, wildest, happiest bat shit ending for a Saints game in history. In a regular season game? In a game? regular season game. They have not had a cra- crazier, happier ending. Rip, rip the, the the mess in Jacksonville with the return and then Carney missing the extra point is crazier. What about Dempsey? Ooh, that's good too because that's, that's the NFL record field goal to win a game. Yeah, because he had a club foot. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I mean – just. I told you to give me 24 hours. It turns out I needed 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I, but, I mean, it's close. I mean, it's close. Kenny Stabler getting sacked when they were up one to Dallas, and they ended up losing. The River City Relay. Yeah. I mean, but – I mean, last night – I think could, the, I think the River City Relay has to take it because how often – you know, 80-yard yeah. touchdown passes happen yeah, but every he, he, now he and then. He specified happy people... ending. Happy ending, yeah. <laughs> There was no happy. There was no happy. I mean, well, if you were the Jaguars fan, that was happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, true. but considering what had happened up to that point, where he doinks the field goal, and you're like, I mean, I tweeted out, I was like, it's 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 happy. We're going on for before I get this bullet to the head. Give me a cigarette and a scotch. Like, <coughs> like I was down in the dumps. yeah. I mean, for 
for sure. Just the way things have been going for the Saints. I'm, I'm with you on that one, Ralph. Um, obviously, you and I were both at the game. Uh, and when he misses that field goal, uh, you, you know, you have to be thinking, well, that's it. We just we just totally blew this. We just totally yeah, that, pissed that this teams away. find a way. And the thing right, that's yeah. the thing that shocked me on the Snatched field goal defeat from the is, jaws of victory is usually on a field goal. Whenever they kick it, the crowd will react a certain way. You know, like when when Gar- I, as soon as Garrett Hartley kicked the field goal in the NFC Championship, you knew because the the crowd in the behind the field right. goal is going bonkers because it's right down the middle, and right. usually they'll groan if it's close. They didn't really they didn't really do that sort of ah uh, like that well, noise. Well, they were all looking. At- they were all looking at the fat shirtless guy. That is true, fat shirtless guy. We <laughs> yeah, need that a was pregnant, amazing. pregnant Saints fan, dude. <laughs> that was Rob Ryan's like son no, or something. He was shirtless. <laughs> I think the thing is, when it hit the upright, people weren't sure if it was in or out. Like, I was sure. weren't sure if it bounced off the upright sure. and went in. Because I mean, well, I sit up high, so I knew it bounced back. My mom... I can't tell from where I sit. I have shitty angles, and so I, I can never tell. If it, even if it's down the middle, like it's hard for me to tell whether it's through the uprights or not. My mom was all excited. I'm like, they missed. She's like, what? I'm like, they missed it. You didn't see it doink off the thing and the guy for Dallas catch it. I heard it. Yeah, you could hear it up from in the the where yeah. the. Uh, I'm, I mean, in hindsight now, obviously, when when it happened, I was going nuts. I mean, I was really. I was pissed because, you know, it's like midnight at this point here on the East Coast, and I'm like, I got to go to work tomorrow, and you guys are making me stay up through overtime to watch you fucking bone this game. And I, I was just getting so angry. And uh, obviously when they make the play to Spiller, it, it was almost worth it. Like I was glad in the end that he missed, missed the field goal because the ending that we got instead was so much better. I mean. Right. I thought the game moved. I thought the game moved. You know, Ralph, you make fun of me because I don't normally drink at the games, but last night I was drinking at the game and I was drinking before the game, so I was a little heavily. (laughs) So I was a little inebriated, and the first half just flew by, and I'm like, and I'm like, I must be really drunk because that seemed like it was took no time at all. That was for for a Sunday night game, for a Sunday night game. It it was like an hour and fifteen minutes for the whole half. That's well, let's, war- let's be honest. 0-3 calls for heavy drinking day. It does. I mean, you're going <laughs> to drink. I mean, I, I I didn't drink as much as I usually do because I had a, I had a 7 a.m. flight today, but I was drinking pretty good. Um, Andrew, here's the thing. I get that the Saints' offensive line is, is bad, and we'll, we'll get to it, all the particulars, in just a second. And I, I get that they, they have a lot of issues. But here's the thing I don't understand. Most teams that have a bad offensive line, they're they're they might be um, bad at home, but they're worse on the road because of the crowd noise and that sort of thing. The Saints' offensive line on the road this year has been okay. It's at home that they're so bad. What is the deal? <laughs> why are they so, why are they so crappy at home? I don't that I don't understand that. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it's maybe the opponent, you know, and just the matchups. Um, you know, part of it is Senio Calamete um, kind of get a- getting acclimated to the NFL, his second start. Uh, I thought he really struggled. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I-, I don't really know the answer. Um, you would think they'd be dialed in and from a tempo perspective and just from the ability to quickly get in and out of the huddle and, clearly understand the line check 
Linux and everything. It's just easier to do at home, like you said. So it's a little surprising. Dave, and we're it... probably going to be seeing more of Senio Calamente because uh, I think we learned today that yeah. Gary Evans had arthroscopic knee surgery. So I would say he's probably going to be out for at least a little while. Dave, is it time to get Zach Streif? Is it time to put him in a home? <laughs> I feel like it might be. I don't know. I, I just I feel like Junior Gallet was he nailed it, man. Ever <laughs> since Zach Streif caught his. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. His wife, Raw Dog, and some other dude. <laughs> That's the second been... time you've you done that. The wife doesn't Raw Dog a dude. Dave just likes to say raw dog. He doesn't yeah. ma- he doesn't care what context it's in or if he uses it properly. He just so wants I mean, to drop raw dog. Unless, unless Zach Streif's ex-wife has some form of anatomy I don't know about. Oh, my. Um, I, you're right, I do. I do apologize. She was getting raw dogged. Yes. And, and Zach walked in on it. In the proper way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have a very good friend who actually knows Zach very well and and, and you know, and personally, obviously, and, uh, you know, I mean, he, he, he is, you know, getting married and he's engaged and all that kind of stuff, but none of that should really affect the way you play on the field. So I don't, I don't know what's going Andrew, on. Andrew, what's, what's the deal with the field? I feel like he, he just, he's, he looks slow. Well, well, he's I six, think, eight, 360 pounds. So I mean, he's lot, he's always line, been slow. He's <laughs> no, always just been kidding. slow. And I think if you look at Streif, there's one thing. Uh, he, he's really always struggled with <clears throat> speed rushers. Now, when he's had speed rushers, he's had the luxury of a better line, uh, you know, a healthy Jari Evans, uh, mm-hmm. Pierre Thomas, who at the time was one of the best blocking running backs in the NFL, I thought, uh, at least in pass protection. And so I, I do think in this game in particular, I saw Breeze get hit a couple times where it looks like it's on streif. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they are getting edge pressure, but, you know, Breeze has, you know, this uncanny ability to feel that pressure and step into the pocket. And unfortunately, with Calamente at right guard kind of struggling in pass protection, Breeze didn't have that clean area to step into. And so a couple times you see Streif get beat and his man blow up Breeze. And I think as a fan, your immediate reaction is, oh, Streif sucks, he's done. But... I've just seen countless times the exact same scenario in years past where 
Bree steps into his clean pocket and it's a non-issue. So, uh, you know, as much as you want to blame Streif for some of that stuff, I think it's a combination of uh, just the right side kind of breaking down and falling apart at the seams. Like, and, and in the second half, it was much better, especially on that last drive. If you look at that last drive right before the missed field goal, the amount of time that Breeze has on those throws uh, was significant, and that's where he was finally able to get downfield and hit Snead and hit Coleman and, and make big plays. Though that, I mean, with the Spiller awesomeness and the 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 missed field goal, Dave, I feel like that that drive <laughs> it gets kind of forgotten. That drive was awesome by Breeze. He had no timeouts and just ran it to freaking perfection at the end. No, I mean the field goal aside, the Saints. Uh, put together on their final two drives, they put together two scoring drives when they, they needed it most. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think I think out of the last four series, they had like two touchdowns, a missed field goal, and maybe an, a made field goal or something like that. So, I mean, what we saw from the offense at the end of the game, mm-hmm. um, hopefully that, you know, that's something that carries over into, uh, into next week and the week after and all that. Uh, I, I think... Honestly, I think I think Breeze kind of touched on this in his in his press conference after the game, his post game presser. Um, the one that he was dressed down. At? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, Casual Sunday. I, uh, I I I actually think that the way the Saints won this game, I think, is actually more beneficial than if they had just gone and kicked the kicked the field either goal. kicked that field goal or just or just won a normal game by you know touchdown or two or whatever yeah I agree. Um, and you're taking me at the end you know I, I think that a game like this it's it just it has way more effect on the psyche and the morale of the team and you know everybody <laughs> you know everybody in that locker room has to be pumped about this win and uh so uh, what i think is well, they were almost there's, in there's the something ab- about just being battle tested yeah and, and, well, they, and, they yeah, face and, the and abyss facing adversity and and overcoming that you know that's all awesome stuff and all that stuff you know is big in the locker room and hopefully they can build off that and uh, uh and so so uh, that's why i think it was it was actually great well they need they, they if they'd have lost yesterday andrew they well, might the, not have won the season till, would have been able to, they yeah, would have not won that would have been the exact opposite yeah you, you would have had to pick heads up off the floor and uh you know every everybody just would have been totally i think the life would have just gotten sucked out of this team andrew this is going to sound like a really insane statement but i'm going to say it anyway is willie sneed the saints best receiver today i'm gonna say yes i i think so yeah i mean i i think You've got to look. Obviously, he's ahead of the, in the pecking order of Coleman. So I, I think right now you, you should clearly say he's in the top three. Uh, but if you look at what Colston, you know, the mess that he's been this year, and if you look at kind of the inconsistent play of Brandon Cooks, I mean, I, I thought that game was one of Brandon Cooks' worst um, as a Saint. I mean, he had two drops. He had a drop early on, on a sideline throw, and then he had a drop on that final drive where you know, he kind of runs a slant and doesn't come up with it. So – yeah, something about the chemistry with him and Breeze. They just don't have the timing down. I just don't – I'm not really feeling it between those two. And what I'm seeing from a lot of defenses is, is they're putting their biggest corner on him and playing him in bump, and, and he's struggling. I mean, Patrick Peterson, Mo Claiborne, we've now seen two corners. And Mo Claiborne kind of, is a mess for Yeah, we've, like... we've seen them kind of rough up Cooks and, and kind of shut him down. And so – 
Um, you know, I, I've heard Brian, you know, say that he's being misused, obviously, and uh, based on, you know, his skill set and what he did at Oregon State. And I, there's definitely some truth to that. But I, I think at the end of the day, look, if you're a number one receiver, if you're a stud star receiver, it doesn't matter what the play call is. You go out there and you execute it and you make plays because that's what playmakers do. And he, he's not really doing that. And so, you know, I, I think when you have a Jimmy Graham as your number one or you have an A.J. Green or you have a receiver like Odell Beckham, you, Cooks as a complement to that it is an absolutely deadly weapon. But as someone that carries your offense, he just doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the consistency. Um, or he, you, know, you don't have a way to maybe get the ball to him very easily uh, where he can get, you know, 8 to 12 to 15 catches in a game. And so uh, I just think – Watching him play right now, I think the Saints need someone that's a little bit steadier. And you look at Snead, guy with pretty sure hands, runs really good routes. And uh, I think the most exciting thing for me about him is just his toughness after the catch. Um, and, uh, you know, he reminds me a lot of Willie Jackson. Um, Ooh, that's a good you, comparison. He's not quite as tall, him, I don't Ralph, think. Yeah, not I quite not... as tall, but Willie Jackson was just one of those guys where he wasn't the fastest, but he was just as tough as nails receiver. Uh, you know, kind of like a Jarvis Landry, but less explosive, um, with great hands, good routes, and just tough after the catch. And uh, Willie Sneed is has this very similar game. Yeah. Did- well, you know, you, you did you guys see my tweet this morning? You, you you know who has the most receptions so far? Yeah, your boyfriend, Mark Ingram. <laughs> here's well, that Dave. That's a good segue because here's my here's my thing. He, and he's I, getting the ball way too much. And I said I I texted Andrew this. Is that uh, a problem? Well, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's getting the job done, though, isn't he? Well, here's my, here's my question. I texted this to Andrew, not right before Spiller scored the touchdown, but like in the middle of the third quarter. And I won't repeat the text verbatim because it had a lot of cursing in it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point of it was, when are they going to get Spiller the ball more? And here's the thing, Dave. Did they need to get Spiller the ball more than seven times a game. So of the running backs, if they're going to give Spiller – 12 touches, 13 touches. What running back should have their touches reduced? Kyrie yeah, or, well, or, or Ingram? I mean, that, that's the problem. And you know what? I was okay with Spiller not being in the lineup and being injured because I got to be honest with you. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think we've, I think we've seen it before, but I think uh, there, there, there is the possibility that, that we, there's too many cooks in the kitchen uh and I mean that's that's the problem. You know, it was sort of an issue when there was Pierre Thomas and Reggie Bush and Deuce McAllister and all that kind of stuff. It's like there's only a certain amount of touches to go around. This is a zero sum yeah. game here. And you know, Mark Ingram has been doing well. And again, Mark Ingram is the kind of guy who needs a bunch of touches. If, 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 as far as carries are concerned, uh, you know, he, he, he you can't just give him five six handoffs in, in a game and, and expect him to produce on those five or six. And so with CJ Spiller coming in now, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I have to admit, I'm just slightly concerned that, um, it's just gonna, it's gonna sort of screw up the, the mix and the mojo a little bit. But there isn't much mojo. I mean, they, they, no, they, there's this, not. So. They, this, last week was, this week was the first time they broke 20 and it took overtime to get them there. So, I mean, you're right. You're I mean, right. I, I just feel like, Andrew, <laughs> that, like, Spiller is, their most explosive weapon they have. Yep. And they got to get him the ball. And somebody's got to get somebody's got to get less 
touches or well, carries. I, I don't well, care who it is, but Spiller. Well, I, I think it's forgivable because Spiller's coming back from that yeah. injury, and we know he was on a pitch count at first, and we, you know, gradually. But now in this game against Dallas, you clearly see that he's got the speed. He, he's ready to <clears throat> become more of a focal point in the offense. Andrew hit the yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But 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 I was starting to lose my voice. But who but who I hear that. Well, you weren't even at the game last night. Uh, yeah. I mean I think I, I think what they what they need to do is obviously Spiller is gonna play every game as long as he's healthy and he's gonna be involved. I I mean I think what you need to do is you pick one running you know, between Kyrie and, and Ingram, you pick one on any given Sunday and you kinda say, Hey look, you know, yeah. this is gonna be this well, is we talked about day. that before. I mean, yeah. there, there's a there is a hot hand element that you have to yeah. observe. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, there but there I, was definitely one game here where Kyrie should have gotten way more touches than Ingram. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It'll but be. But look, you, it, it's it's a tough situation because you look at it, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because you know, Sean Payton always says you can never have enough running backs and you can never have enough corners. And that, that's a factual statement until you go through a lucky year where there's not a lot of injuries and then you don't have enough to spread the love around. And yeah. so, you know, it, it's tough because right now I feel like the Saints are in a position where, you know, maybe Ingram's getting too much and Kyrie and, and Spiller are maybe not getting enough. But if one of these guys goes down, then obviously you're going to be glad you had that depth. Um, you look at Philadelphia. I mean, they've got Ryan Matthews, Sproles and DeMarco Murray and, DeMarco Murray just ran his mouth in the media this week uh, because he feels like he's not getting enough touches. So yeah. uh, it, it's tough, man. It, it's, you know, it's, do, do you get, do you have one running back like Marshawn Lynch, but then he's hurt and he's out tonight. And then how much does that hurt your team when your star running back is missing? If you don't have good depth. Yeah. It's well, the, the thing that concerns I mean, I, you know, it wasn't so much of a concern of the carries and all that to me when the saints were averaging 29 a game, but now they're not, and the, you know when they were averaging 20 in a game, they had Graham, they had all these other explosive weapons. I feel like they really, they don't have a lot of weapons, and they like, even if they don't necessarily get him the ball, like just having Spiller on the field can help them. But we'll we'll see we'll see yeah. going we'll see going. I mean, I I think right now Ingram needs to have his his carry his his number of touches. I mean, he's a workhorse, and you know he's been solid. I, I thought in that game he played pretty well. Um, but uh, he, he's not the most explosive. But Spiller has that element, that game-breaking ability. That that it, Mark Ingram is not a guy where, as a defense, you scheme and you say, okay, where is this guy on the field? We have to pay attention to that guy. Spiller absolutely has it. So uh, just him being on the field is going to be able to help create. And now if teams are going to watch tape. They're going to see that play in this Dallas game, and they're going to have to start accounting for him. And that's going to open up things for guys like Brandon Cooks, who we just talked yeah. about. And so that's why he's so important to this offense. Dave, on the defense, I mm-hmm. you know I thought they played pretty good. The 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 first two runs skew it a bit on the yards, and the the penalty flags were raining down. But here's the thing: is the do you think the penalty flags? Is it a case of the NFL is just penalty insane this year? They've called more penalties through four weeks than they ever had in the history of the league. Is it, is, is that, are the Saints just caught up in that, the, the penalty hurricane, or is it a combination of 
their pass rush sucks and their defensive backs just can't cover for that long and they grab out of desperation. Right. It, well, you know, or, or is it, or are the Saints responsible for breaking the NFL record for most penalties in the first four games of a <laughs> of the yeah. season? Uh, I, I, I think honestly, I think calls are up around the league and it's been a record-breaking year. So I mean, I think that's obviously part of it. Uh, um, but you know, I, Brandon Brown is a physical cornerback. We knew that going in. He was part of Seattle. Uh, he was part of Seattle's Legion of Boom or whatever, and and he those guys always played physical, and they took a lot of penalties. I believe the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, so that's kind of his style. Not, this, none of this is actually surprising to me. This is kind of what I expected. Uh, and Delvin Bro, I mean, he's a big guy, and he, he seems to uh, be learning a few things from Brandon Brown. <laughs> Andrew, I mean, what do you, I feel like a big part of it is that the pass rush is horrible. I mean, it doesn't help. Well, that's of part it of it, help. but it doesn't help. But, I mean, first of all, the, the illegal hands to the face, I mean, there's no there's no excuse for that. You know, that that's a that's not pass rush. That's not – I mean, that's literally jamming a guy at the line of scrimmage and hitting him in the face as opposed to the shoulder pads or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's pretty easy to clean up. But I, I think, you know – Not with, turning uh, your head and looking at the football – yeah, uh, that has nothing to do with the pass rush either. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think if you look at the way the Saints schemed uh, this Dallas game, I mean, they, they were definitely daring Brandon Whedon to to throw it over. And the he top. would and not. He, he did not. He, yeah, he couldn't I... do it consistently. And so what they did was, you know, they kept their corners near the line of scrimmage. They were playing jam coverage. I mean, most of the game, if you watch it, uh, the corners were one, two yards off the line of scrimmage, right in the receiver's face, close to the line of scrimmage and run support. Uh, and it helped the Saints stop the run for the most part. I mean, you take away those first two runs of the game, and I think uh, Dallas averaged 2.1 or 2.2 yards per carry. So obviously the Saints coming in said, hey, we're going to jam everyone up at the line. We're going to get a bunch of guys in the box, and we're going to stop the run. And we're going to dare Brandon Whedon to throw the ball down the field and beat it and man coverage uh, when we're jamming. And because they didn't have Des Bryant, uh, that was a terrific game plan. It worked. Well, um, and, you, uh, you, you know, know obviously the penalties, you're going to have more of those when you play that style of defense because you're in man-to-man, you're in jam coverage, you're always – you're immediately getting physical right at the snap because it's it's handsy right from the get-go. And then it's just a matter of how the refs are calling it. You know, you know what? Saints fans aren't even allowed – to get upset by any of that because consider the alternative that we had a couple of years ago when everybody was bitching and moaning about our cornerbacks giving 10 freaking yard <laughs> cushions at the line that and, is true. Uh, and not even being in the vicinity to even be called for a pass interference because you're 10 yards away from the guy when he makes a goddamn catch so honestly this is way better i'll take this God. yeah the only the only thing that's uh, frustrating now is um you know the last pick six that the saints had i researched this today was jonathan vilma in the final game of 2012, yeah. their last interception it was in the final game of 2014. Uh, the Saints have zero picks through four games. They're one of three NFL teams with no interceptions. Uh, I mean, at some point, we we've got to make a play in the backfield. Some you would think that here. Well, here you know the Saints won, and that's great. And it bumped Akeem Hicks getting traded to like 30 minutes into the podcast. So, so Andrew, here's my question though: Did they trade him because he was terrible and they weren't going to get anything out of him, or did they trade him because they were like, "Look, Bobby Richardson might be pretty good, and 
we want to play him more, and it's going to be okay. Well, I think Richardson, based on the way he's been playing, and, and definitely this this was his best game. So I think you know getting the vote of confidence from the coaching staff that, hey, we just shipped out your main competition for playing time, and you're the starter now. You go out there and get it done, and obviously he responded, and he had a great game. I was so impressed with his performance. He really, really played an incredible game and run support. But, yeah, I think, you know, I think that was part of it. I think the Saints really like Richardson, and I think they feel like he's the starter right now. He's been playing better than Akeem Hicks. He deserves to be the starter. I don't think it's that Akeem Hicks isn't good. I think we know he's good. Uh, We've seen him play well. We've seen flashes, um, but uh, obviously he just – He's kind of fallen off. We talked about this last week about how he was Cedric Ellison. But for for me, the thing with Hicks is that for whatever reason he's fallen off, we know that he had a little bit of an issue with it. He told the media he was benched. He wasn't happy about it. He said he was coming to talk to Sean Payton. So already you feel like maybe he's got a little bit of an attitude issue. He's in a contract year, so you know if, if he's being benched, then that that bridge is being burned, and you know the Saints aren't coming are bringing him back. You know that he doesn't want to come back if he's getting benched, and so I just felt like he was leaving anyway. And so if that's the case, and you've got a guy that can come in and replace him that you feel pretty good about, then you know you trade him for an, an immediate need, which is a backup tight end. The Saints had no depth at tight end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know at least they get something out of him. Yeah. Um... Dave, but some, but someone tweeted that that the, the difference, you know, basically the Huminem and Owie, Huminem and Owie, what? Is that right? Humanem yeah. What? But um, I'm not the, even going the, there. Uh, the, so, someone said that the trade was skewed hugely from a talent perspective in favor of the Patriots, and I agree with that. I think Kicks, from a ceiling perspective, is a much much better player. Uh, but he's not a much much better player right now. In fact, he's kind of been garbage for the Saints. So I, the I Patriots think will be able to get and, it and out a backup of him, tight sure. end. That, well, I mean, yeah. Well, they probably they probably will. But the point is, right now for the, this Saints team this year and next year, Hicks isn't coming back. So for this this Saints team this year, that backup tight end that's a decent blocker is probably helping them more than Hicks was. Right. Exactly. Uh, Dave, who's going to be kicking and punting for the Saints on Sunday? <laughs> uh, I think uh, Josh Scobie's available. Oh my God! <laughs> Jesus! Hawker's Ho- oh. not Hawker's not going anywhere. He, yeah, no, I mean Hawker's fine for 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 place kicking. You know, he's for he's one young. week. He, yeah, I mean he's young. Uh, at least he hit the, the the upright. I mean he didn't totally miss. I mean, if it if if it if it squeezes in, I mean, he he went if it, if he if he if that ball bounces in, he's really solid because yeah, he had a really good right. game. But now he's kind of like I, I think he's I think he's still like seven for nine for the season. I don't think he's like he's he's not terrible. He's he's really not, and I think you got to give him a chance and stick with him. So as far as kicking is concerned, he he did hit a fifty-one yarder, nailed it. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's 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 pretty decent. He's, he's definitely got a leg on him. You know, that's good. Uh, but you know, the, the bigger issue is Morstead who, uh, did not finish the the game last night. And he, he always, he always stands in front of me on the sidelines when he's on, on the bench. And, uh, you know, he was talking to trainers and pointing to his, his right, his kicking leg and his upper 
you know, his thigh area. And then at one point, then they went over and, and talked to Peyton. And I guess they were telling Peyton that he might not be available or ready to go. And, um, but, you know, I was most concerned when all of a sudden you see Hawker taking practice punts into the, the, the kicking net, which is a totally odd sight because I always see Morstead and only Morstead for the last, what, four, five, six years. Uh, and I said, oh, shit, if Hawker is, is practicing <laughs> punts, that means he's definitely going to be going in there, uh, or at least he may be going in. And then it just became evident that, that Morstead was definitely not coming back because he was walking around with ice, and he kept walking around. He would not stand still. He would not sit still. Um, but he, he 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 spent about 10 minutes with an ice pack in his leg under his under his padding and he's walking around and he's just holding it there on his right leg for 10 minutes just walking around and and holding it and propping it up uh so you know there's got to be some some concern about what his deal is if he's got a strained quad or what's going on if he's going to be able to kick is where they going to do it punter that's the concern we're going to have like a 50 year old punter come in andrew uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, I think they're going to have to carry two. Yeah, I mean, Hawker, I, I saw this on Twitter. I didn't know this, but apparently Hawker was an all-state punter as well. He kicked and punted for, for his high school team, and you know, he had a 65-yard punt or something in high school. So he, at least he, he had some experience with it, and uh, obviously the punt that he had was, was terrific. Uh, when just, he went there. Would they, Andrew, would they? might have just got Wally Pipped. Well, no, not that, but Andrew, would the Saints sort of, and I, I want to say a, a team did this a long time ago, but basically the punter got injured and the kicker could punt too, like, like Hawker could. And when the team had tryouts for punters on Tuesday, they just told the kicker, hey, you go in the punter tryouts too, and if you beat the, the three guys we bring in, You'll do. Ooh, you'll get do, an extra roster spot. You'll do. You'll do both until the other punter gets yeah, back. Would the Saints that's do possible, that? Possible, but I, it's possible. But I just don't think they, uh, especially with a rookie like that that doesn't have experience and, yeah. and uh, you know they don't want his leg to tire out. Especially now, he you know he doesn't typically do kickoffs. That's usually Morstead's role, and now Hawker's yeah. going to have to do kickoffs too. So uh, I, I I don't think that'll happen. I think they'll sign another punter. Um, and unfortunately, what that means is probably, at least for this week, if, if Morstead isn't ready to go, they'll have to carry two punters on the roster. Um, so that means, you know, Joe, Joe Morgan or, um, you know, uh, who, who else would be? Or, or you know, Wilson, the cornerback, Kyle Wilson. I mean, those are guys right now that are probably in jeopardy of losing a roster spot uh, if they have to bring a second punter in. And unfortunately, they may have to carry that until Morstead can get healthy. Um, now, you know, if you're the Saints, the good news is Hawker can kick off, and depending on how serious Morstead in, Morstead's injury is, you know, the Saints may decide we don't want to carry two punters on the roster, and so uh, that that if if he's out three or four weeks, the Saints may shut him down for the year. Uh, so that shut would be down. the real bu- that would be the real bummer is you know if Morstead's going to miss three or four weeks, and the Saints don't want to wait, and so they just stash him on IR. Yeah. Um... Dave, I'll start with you. We're four weeks in with this rookie class. Uh, yeah. How are you feeling about it? I, I think it's gone about as, as good as you could expect. Uh, you, you know, after the draft, the first thing we said is, okay, I mean, Mickey and Sean pretty much mortgaged the future on this draft. They really had to hit uh, in this draft and get a, at least a few starting quality contributors on this team. Uh, um 
Otherwise, all those moves they made to acquire all those draft picks, uh, all of it would have been for naught. So, you know, I mean, Stefan Anthony, he had an okay game yesterday, but I mean, throughout the season, he, he's, he's been tasked with a big role. He's been tasked to lead this defense in his rookie year um, at middle linebacker. And I think so far he's, he's doing fine. Kikaha has three sacks this season. He's your team leader. Uh, he's not even a first round pick. Uh, I think probably the biggest disappointment, Damian Swan, well, Swan was, uh, was he, did we draft him or was he, he was, a he was, yeah, yeah. They moved yeah, he was like to get fifth, him. fifth round pick. Okay. So I was going to say six. Um, I mean, he's been, he's been definitely better than expected. I think the biggest disappointment has got to be, uh, Pete, just because he's, he's your first pick. Um, you know, he, he's been contributing in his own way. He's been tackle eligible every now and then, uh, he had to go in, uh, for a few plays, uh, last night, I think. And, uh, but, but he's, he's still not, uh, he's not where you'd expect him to be for a first round pick, but I, I, I'd say, you know, we, I don't think we can really complain. I think it's Andrew. It's not 2006 level. Cause they don't, they're, they're, they're not plugging and playing guys and they're not that. awesome. But I would say you can't ask for anything more than this. I mean, they got, no, I, I mean, I think if the saints from 2000, uh, you know, 2007 to 2013 had drafted like this, even half uh, as good. The team, the team would be much better than it yeah. is right now. I can promise yeah. you that. So, but no, I, I think if you look at this class so far, and if you're evaluating through four games, you know the first quarter of their first NFL season, uh, how could you not be excited? How could you not see nothing but tons of promise? And really, the most encouraging part of it, you look at Bobby Richardson, who's basically taken over for Akeem Hicks now as an undrafted guy. Uh, and just play the best game of his career and was just awesome in this game. And then you look at Kikaha all over the field. His run his run support has been in his sideline-to-sideline pursuit has been so good. And then you watch him beat straight up man-to-man Tyron Smith, one of the best left tackles in the NFL for a sack. Uh, Stephon Anthony had one of his best games, uh, played very well. Uh, a great, you know, the defensive line did a great job of setting him up, setting him up and he finished a lot of those uh, run support plays, and he had a sack as well. Um, and, you know, Swan, up to this point, is a guy that I thought has been playing really well. Obviously, this was a, a bad game for him, but uh, he's a rookie that's played well. And then Tyler Davidson gets his first sack. I thought he played well. So I just listed five guys, and they're all on the defensive side of the ball. And the main gripe that we've had with Sean Payton <laughs> and with Mickey Loomis in this whole they era can't find anybody. They, they can't draft good defensive players. And I just named five rookies that are either starting or heavily contributing on that side of the ball and, and doing well. Oh, and by the way, your seventh-round pick already has a punt return for a touchdown, looked very explosive again in this game. He's got it. He's, up. he's got yeah, it. He's Whatever got it, it is he, he, to he, return he, punts, he has it. Absolutely, right. and he, he's setting the team up with field position. So you know, even at the seventh round, you look at a guy that they were able to land that's helping the team. And – you know, with Pete, I, I was encouraged to see him play more. Um, he, he came in in those jumbo packages and, and had some really good blocks, helping Ingram get some holes and, and, and uh, get some good runs there at the end of the game. And then, uh, you know, obviously he came in at left tackle for Armstead and held up pretty well. So Before um, Halloween, I, I'm Andrew? In, I'm encouraged with Pete, too. I mean, I, I think this draft class so far, I mean, how could you not walk and, away and as, as bad as this team's been? Andrew. The, the draft classes look good. Andrew. 
before before or after Halloween, Pete is starting. <laughs> I, I I think I think it has to be before at this point. It has to. In place of Streif? Yes. I mean, we're getting there. <laughs> so before we get to um, Twitter questions, uh, which we have a ton. Thanks everybody. Um, Dave, I'll start with you. Did you? I, I know they won, but did you see anything Sunday night that makes you think they can get to eight or nine wins? Um, I, I've always thought they can get to eight or nine wins. My prediction at the beginning of the season eight, was eight and eight, and obviously they started off slow and they started off zero and three, uh, and maybe we we got a little bit more realistic. Um, but I, I don't think eight and eight would be that difficult for this team to do. Uh, I, I think for the first four games, honestly, I think the defense has, has not really been so bad. I, I feel like it's the offense that hasn't really, uh, held up their end of the bargain in, in most of these games. Um, you know, we're, we're used to offenses, always under Sean Payton that, that are easily going to put up 30 points a game and that are easily going to be a top five offense. And, you know, they just have not been playing up to that level. So I, I think what does give me hope is, like I said earlier, the last three, four drives of the game Sunday night against the Cowboys, the offense looked great. They did what they needed to do. They led two game-winning two-minute drill-type well, not two minutes, the, the, the overtime. <laughs> That's not a two minute drill. Uh, but, uh, I mean, but they, they led two scoring drives when they needed it most, um, at the end of that game. And so I'm just kind of hoping that they're going to be able to build on that. Andrew? Uh, no. 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 The answer to the question is no. I, I didn't see anything that <laughs> no. made, made me think, uh, they can win. You guys eight or predicted nine that games. they were going to lose this game, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I, I, I said did. they were going to win. I think listen, I was the only one that predicted they were going to win. Yeah. Listen, I, I the game was awesome, taking nothing away from that. I think, you know, Breeze, I think you saw in this game that with an elite quarterback, even with an offensive line playing like they did, a running game struggling, uh, you know, defense that gave up a critical touchdown late, uh, I think it, Breeze came out and he showed why when you have an elite quarterback, you can win games. But, but let's not kid ourselves. You know, this was a Cowboys team without Tony Romo, without Des Bryant. Their best player on defense, Sean Lee, gets concussed, and he's out very early in the game. Yeah, but he's and, like and their Jarris Bird. He's always hurt. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm just saying, I mean, imagine if the Saints in this game had been missing C.J. Spiller yeah, or Brandon Cooks and Drew Brees and, you know, Stephon Anthony or something like that. Um, yeah, I think the bottom line is uh, – this was a team that was quarterbacked by Brandon Whedon in New Orleans, in the Dome, <laughs> and it took the Saints overtime to beat this squad. And so, you know, let, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, there's still a lot of issues with this team, and it was a great win. It was exciting. It was fun. Uh, but uh, at the same time, now, the soft schedule does give me some pause. I mean, if you look up and down that schedule, there's really no one that I say, yeah, the Saints can't beat this team. Well, the only, I, I, the, I don't see that of the any only team. team on the, the only team that they're going to play through November 15th where you are like, oh, my God, that's a problem, 
is Atlanta. Because Atlanta has everything you need to do to destroy the Saints. They have Vic Beasley to get after the quarterback, and they throw the ball like crazy, and they score points. Everybody else, the Eagles, we'll get to them in a bit. The Colts, they're they're terrible. I mean, they're terrible. And I know I know Luck didn't play, but their line is god awful. The Giants are eh. The Titans, the Redskins, the Texans. I mean, they're gonna be. Jaguars. They're gonna. They're, they're gonna. Yeah, the Jaguars at the end. I mean, they're gonna be in these games. I mean, so hopefully they can. Yeah. They can get it together. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think eight or nine wins is is asking a, lot. a level of consistency well, that this team just doesn't have. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say nine wins. I would say eight wins. But I, I don't I don't disagree with you, Andrew. But my point is is I, I you know obviously if they play the way they played Sunday night against some of these teams, yeah they'll they'll get whipped. But what I'm saying. Is, is I think they can use this game, and mm-hmm. I think I think what we've seen is we've seen them progressively gotten better. Have they not? Have they not gotten uh, a little bit better in yeah. each game? I think that's I th- fair. I think, we're, I think yeah. yeah, and so I think it's trending in the right direction. Well, so all, well, well, all well, I'm hoping and all I'm trying to be optimistic about is that it only just continues to get better, and as we get later in the season, uh, they're going to have way more of a fighting chance to win yeah. some of these games. Yeah, and I, I think I think the talent is a little weak uh, on the roster this year. And I, I just think that's, you know, the cap, obviously, and the bad drafts, and, and they're really young. Uh, but I think as Saints fans, you know, obviously we're starting to reshuffle our expectations and kind of decide what we want out of this team. I think if you keep seeing them play with this kind of effort, and, you know, Scott Fujita had a pretty meaningful tweet, I thought. You know, he, he, he sent something out there that's just like, hey, just want to let you guys know that I met a lot of these young players and from a character standpoint, you know, character isn't overrated, and I, I see a lot of things that I like out of these guys. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I thought that was important to see that because to me, in through four games, you see that these guys are they fight hard, and they're going to be in these games, and they might not always win them, and they, they might, from a talent perspective, get beat. Uh, but I, I don't think this is a team that, you know, sometimes last year you just felt like they just rolled over and died. Yeah, you just want – to me, I'm not so much worried about playoffs or winning season or anything. I just want at the end of the year all these questions that we had going into the year at receiver and offensive line and defensive tackle and linebacker and corner. If you go – you know, Andrew, we had, what, five or six questions going into the year. If you come out of the year and you only have two questions and you say – and you say, okay, Pete's started the last six weeks at tackle. He looks good. Calmette looks good at guard. The line looks pretty good. We just need to they need to go and get another guard. And you say, hey, Richardson looks good at tackle. They need to get they need to draft a couple defensive more defensive tackles. Linebacker looks good. The corner look you know you just want more questions answered. You don't want to go to the end of the year and still have three, four, five questions hanging over this team. But yeah, I agree. Let's let's get to questions. First question is from uh, Peachy Keen, uh, Be More Hudat. He asks, "What what is more likely, Hawker finishing out the year or Ralph learning to play Stairway to Heaven?" On the guitar, um, I gotta admit, man, the guitar's collecting dust. I'm reading baby books on how to feed infants and swaddle. Um, I have not been as diligent with. The Don't guitar. read any of that crap. Okay. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Um. Ralph, I had no idea you could play like no, that, I can't. man. Andrew, this is a good question from, from Shane o- O'Neill. And he, you're such a, could we be seeing a transition from offensive juggernaut to a defensive first Saints team? 
Uh, I feel like they're somewhere in the middle. I'm still not sure where this team goes from here. I think it's it's transition, and I think a year from now, depending on the offseason and the draft, uh, we could see them start to lean very heavily on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, for me, like the young talent is more on that side right now than the offensive side. Um, but, man, I mean, you plug one playmaker and, and one decent offensive lineman in, into this offense, and Breeze will be right back to where he's been. Uh, and, uh, Dave, this is from Sean Mars. I'm going to the Eagles-Saints game. How do I avoid the batteries? Oh, ba- God. I'm... How do I avoid the batteries? Uh, oh, God. Don't you, wear a Saints jersey. Yeah, you, you show well, no serious affiliation well, well here's the here's the thing here's the here's the thing sean and, and you know you probably already got the tickets so you can't be helped now but my advice to any <laughs> my advice to any saints fan when you go on the road to to view the saints buy as m- the most expensive ticket you can afford because <laughs> no because People nice. in the nice section right. have have it. careers and jobs and are lawyers and people like Dave with businesses and that sort of thing. Classy. Classy. And they don't give you crap. You might have to get crap going into the stadium and out of the stadium. But if you – that's the thing. When, when, you, when you plan a road trip for the Saints, spend as much as you possibly can on the ticket and skimp <laughs> other places because you're better off. And I can say that with – like me, I went with my wife. We went to see the Dolphins in 09. We sat in the really nice seats. I went and saw the Saints play San Francisco in the dump candlestick park. But you, you spend in the nice seats and the people are nice to you because they're – they just they, – they, when you sit up in the rafters, the people can get drunk and crazy. And you just the, – the Yeah, best... there's something about nosebleed where the people just have a lot less to lose. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> – and that might, be, that might be racist or classist or whatever you want to call me. But I mean that's just – that's just how it is. Uh, Andrew, this is from our super fan Allie. Wait, how, how how much do how much do tickets, nice tickets, in, in San Francisco cost? Ooh. I gotta imagine that's gotta be crazy. Ooh, I think I think I think it was three. I think I bought three, and this was in two thousand and seven. It was three, oh, was and it was fifty yard line, sixth row. I think it was just under five hundred for the three of them. Uh, well, that was a bad. while ago, though. That's not too bad. I mean, but I mean, it was yeah. they were they were they were nice, and that stadium is a dump. Um, this is from Superfan <laughs> Alley. By the way, everybody, you can donate a dollar, and you can rant. We'll have another rant hopefully next week. You win the lottery, you can rant. You can you can celebrate victories. You can yell at the Saints in defeat. You can you can make fun of other teams. That's totally fair. If you win the rant Atlanta week and you just want to bag on Matt Ryan and Atlanta fans for pumping in crowd noise, do it. All you have to do is donate a dollar a month and become a patron, and you can possibly rant. This is from Alley Andrew. Were y'all at least mildly impressed by our D's ability to get in the backfield against the Dallas O-line? I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were times where Whedon had way too much time, but uh, I think they finished with three sacks. Now, one of them was a blitz where Vaccaro comes in, redirects Whedon, and then Anthony cleans up the play. So you, you, get, a, you get a sack by bringing extra pressure there. Uh, but I think the, the most impressive one was – Davison getting a sack just on a bull rush, and uh, Kikaha, like I said before, beating one of the best left tackles in the game. Uh, and he, he was just man up one-on-one and, and just blew past him. So I, I think when you look at those two plays, especially in isolation against that kind of offensive line, 
moving forward, you have to feel like this pass rush has a chance to get better. Uh, Dave, I thought the Saints' D was going to be less complicated this year. What gives? <laughs> it may be less complicated, but that doesn't mean that uh, the players are going to uh, be able to execute accordingly. But yeah. uh, it, does, it does seem it does actually seem a little less complicated. This is from Adam Foshe. Choose Saints get in the playoffs and have a three percent chance at the Super Bowl, or tank the season and have an eighty percent chance of a top five pick. Dude, Adam, I'm taking the playoffs every single time. For one thing, if the Saints go to the playoffs, you might have a playoff game like you had last night with Spiller, or a game to clinch a playoff spot like last night. How awesome would how awesome would last night have been? If it was a playoff game, even if it was a road playoff game, or if it was a season finale to clinch a playoff spot. I mean, that's awesome. So I take the playoffs every time. The only way, Andrew, that I would pass up the Saints going to the playoffs is if you told me there was an 80% chance that they would get Andrew Luck in the draft and I would have another 15 years of elite quarterbacking. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um... Let's see. The Saints uh, imitate the 2013 Panthers who started 1-4 and four but ended up winning the NFC South. Saints in 2013 started 0-5. Dave, can this happen? That's from Katie. Wait, read that question again. The Saints imitate the 2013 Panthers who started 1-4 and four but won the NFC South. Uh, you know, it, it's... <laughs> It's possible. It's definitely possible that the Saints are going to get better, but I think it's going to be tough for them to win the NFC South just because. I mean, Atlanta's four and zero. We we can't we can't just ignore this and forget about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Carolina I mean, had the benefit last year of of a trash heap of a division where everyone yeah, was struggling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's definitely possible the Saints could go eight and eight, but there's no way eight and eight is winning the division this year. No, but it, it but the NFC's pretty pretty crummy. We'll get to that when we do the game picks. This is from Don. Takana? Is that how you say his name? Yep. Takana. Is, Andrew, is the only difference between Brandon Browner and Jason David the fact that David has made interceptions with the Saints? You know, I'm surprised we haven't brought up Browner until now because, uh, man, he he is just struggling. I mean, between the penalties, the lack of speed, getting killed vertically, you know, what point does Sean Payton make the decision, you know what? Uh, you, you're done. We're, you know, we're going to go with guys that are how not much, you. I haven't seen him play a lot before, so I, how, I would love to talk to a Seattle person, a New England person, who has watched the film on him last the, the previous two years and watched film on him now. Is his knee in bad shape? Not that he was ever super known as a speed guy, Andrew, but is his knee yeah. bothering him? And you look at him, you're like, man, he wasn't fast to begin with, but... Now he's really slow. I mean, that, yeah, I, that, that's I don't part know. Of it, but I, I don't know. I just think he. I just don't think he should ever be playing on the outside without safety help. I mean, clearly he's shown that uh, he, he, when he's on the outside with safety help, that he, he's going to get crushed. And and I, there were plenty of times in this game where I thought he made nice plays. I mean, on that big run early in the game, he chases the guy down, he makes a tackle, and saves a touchdown. Uh, he had a couple third down plays where he had pass breakups against uh, Witten and, and another one. And then, you know, in run support, you know, he comes up to the line of scrimmage and he hits guys hard and he had a couple big hits. And so I think I, I think what's lost maybe in this game a little bit is his physical play and some of the good plays he makes because 
Uh, and let's be honest here, the bad plays far outweigh the positives. <laughs> this is a good – I missed this question from Wallace. Ralph, what's more frightening, a, sp- a, s- a spoonful of wet cat food or Brandon Browner covering anybody? <laughs> it's it's Wallace, and you know I hate the wet cat food. Uh, it's close right now, my friend. It's really close. Well, I think the, the Saints just need to do – a better job of putting Browner in a position to succeed, and that's not covering a fast receiver on the outside with no safety help. I think when you get him in, in nickel packages where he's going up against the tight end, and I know he got beat for a first down one time by Witten, but th- those are the matchups really that he should be playing. You know, and I think if, if he's playing against Vincent Jackson or or Witten or you know, receivers like that, uh, he's going to have a chance to succeed. If you put him against Ten Ginn, it's a death sentence. Man, I'm watching Detroit right now. They're getting just destroyed, but 13 to three. And I look at them, and I look at these teams on the Saints' schedule, and it's not like I look at these teams and I'm like, man, the Saints are going to beat them. But I look at like Detroit, I'm like, that's a coin flip game. Wait, the Seahawks <laughs> kicked two field goals. <laughs> um, yeah, they did. Yes, that's All good. Right. So Rick Face, I like that name, Rick Face. How many yards? How many? How's John? How's Calvin Johnson doing? Uh, probably not too good since Detroit only has three points. Uh. Dave, this is from Rick Face. Are you more surprised that Snead is the Saints leading is leading the team in receiving, or are you or that he only has two hundred and forty yards? Uh that he only has two hundred and forty yards? That's yeah. not terrible through four games, especially considering how the Saints have been running their well, offense. I think, I think that's surprising that that's good enough to lead the team. Is his point? Well, no, it's a little, that, dis- it's well, a little God, disappointing that, mean, that it's good enough to lead the team. That would but, mean he, but, that would mean Snead might get a thousand yards receiving. God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's... I mean, the Saints have been playing it behind in a lot of these games, and yeah. so I mean, they haven't had the luxury of being able to, you know. Run a lot in garbage time late in game to kill clock or that kind of stuff. So um, I'm I'm not surprised that he's leading the team in rushing, and I'm not really surprised that he's only got 240 yards. I am definitely way more surprised that he's that leads the team in receptions. Uh, he's putting up, you know, again from the very start from the, from the first game of the season. I said he's he seems to be playing a more of a Pierre Thomas role, and I would say that the stats. Uh, illustrate that i i think based on the way the season's gone so far i'm going to go ahead and say this now and this isn't that crazy of a prediction at the end of the season the top two leaders on the team in receptions will be ingram and spiller two running backs (laughs) well spiller will have to get busy then but uh final question then we'll get to the game for you this is from uh, joe valeni uh I'd love to see Vicaro rush the passer. Could he be Roman Harper type sacker from 2011? I don't think uh, Rob Ryan blitzes like Greg Williams did. No. Um, you know, he, he he's not as kamikaze of a defense. Um, so I don't think that will ever happen. I don't, honestly, that that was a skill that Roman Harper was really special at. I mean, I think we take for granted how good he was at that and. As much as it was Greg Williams, I mean, that was something that Harper was just really, really good at. Uh, Vaccaro doesn't have the same skill set, I think, in terms of blitzing. But uh, they did blitz him in that game, and, and he was primarily responsible for Anthony getting the cleanup sack. Um, so I think we'll see it from time to time. But, yeah, don't expect him to get seven sacks in this in this scheme. How much drinking will you be doing during Astros-Yankees? I'll be doing all the drinking tomorrow during the play the 
the playoff slash play in game. So it's one game, right? If one game, baby. Out. It's like football, man. You gotta. It's one game. You we win, and then you get to the real the playoffs. You get to play in the series where you best out of five. But well, they're not going to beat the Yankees, are they? Well, here's the God, thing. I hope so. Keuchel has pitched twice against the Yankees. And Keuchel? That's the guy's name. Yeah, that sounds he has like a, a Jewish slur. <laughs> it does kind of. It does. It uh. But he's got a big. He's got a big giant Grizzly Adams beard. But he's pitched against the Yankees twice. Grizzly Adams did he, have a beard. And he he hasn't given up a run yet. Um. So that's a positive. The negative is he's going on three days rest, and he's never done that in his career. So, um. But he's the Astros' best pitcher. You got to roll. You got to roll with the guy who might win the Cy Young. So we'll see. But it'll be a lot of it'll be a lot of drinking, and I am pumped to see my wife. She is a lunatic. My wife. My wife. She is a lunatic when the Astros play in a game on a Wednesday in July. I don't even know how she's going to be there in this playoff game. She's been locked in intensity the last two weeks as they've been fighting their butt off to get in. But I just think it's going to be. I think it's going to probably be like when I was with the Saints watching the Super Bowl. Like, she's going to be locked in tomorrow. So, we'll see. It'll be fun. Um, all right, let's get to Saints-Eagles. Uh, Andrew, uh, the Eagles, they are a mess. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting. This game, this game, this is a winnable game. This is another, I'm not saying the Saints, we'll get to my prediction in a second, but it's another game. It should be a toss-up game, should it not? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's, you know, DeMarco Murray for me is just the guy that the Saints really have no answer for. Um, and I think if he's playing well and, and the Eagles are smart, now they're not smart, and Chip Kelly doesn't run that offense the way he should maybe. Um, but uh, if Their Mar- line's if, terrible. Their, their line's terrible, but if DeMarco Murray's getting 25, 30 touches in this game, like he, sh- he probably won't, but he should, and if he did – uh, then the Eagles would win easily. But I, I still think this team, I mean, it, it's going to be hard for the Saints to go on the road and up up north in Philadelphia and then come away with a win. I just I don't know that they have the stones or just the, the, the quality to, to do that. But, you know, the way they played in Carolina was impressive, and they fought hard. So uh, I, I think it's going to take a pretty special performance by Drew Brees to pull it off. Prediction? Uh, well, for me, I, yeah, I don't think I think the Saints are going to struggle. I, I think they'll 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 play hard. I mean, that, that's what we've seen from this team so far is they're gritty, and uh, you know I don't think Philadelphia is that good, uh, so they'll they'll be competitive. But uh, I think uh, Sam Bradford will just find holes in this defense, and uh, I think the run defense won't be nearly as good as they were against Dallas. Um, so I'll, I'll say Philadelphia 31, Saints 23. Dave. You picking them to lose again? Yeah, he's picking them. To yeah, lose. I am. <sighs> They're a five-point okay. favorite. I'm who the Eagles? Eagle, Eagles. I guess I'm gonna have now to be the. Now that's a tough to... line. That's a tough line. <laughs> I'm gonna have to uh, uh, be the optimist again, I guess, this week, because um, I'm sure Ralph's gonna pick against the Saints. Yeah. Um. I I think they're gonna win. What the hell? Wow. Um. You know, I, I, like you said, Ralph, I think they are a little bit of a mess. Um, Their guards are terrible. You think the Saints guards are bad, and they kind of are. <laughs> Philadelphia's guards are – they're awful. They can't they, – they showed a play um, the other day for on NFL Films, that NFL matchup show. They ran a play, and their guards ran the wrong way, and the running back just got annihilated. But 
Go ahead. So I'm going to uh, – I'll say – like I said, I'm thinking maybe the offense is going to start picking it up a little bit. C.J. Spiller uh, maybe breathing a little new life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with 31 points for the Saints. Ooh. And No I'll way. Go, and I'll, yeah, I know. I know, crazy. And uh, I'll go with uh, 27 for the Eagles. I think Darren Sproles is probably going to have a good game, unfortunately. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say I can't decide if my player of the game is Malcolm Jenkins or Darren, Darren Sproles. Sproles. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, you know, guy, guys always play well against their old teams, when, they, especially the way it ended with uh, with Sproles. And, you know, I'm sure Sproles' wife is going to be there somewhere, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say, the Yell, Compton Ferris has got to be good for four touchdowns, right? Yeah, yelling and screaming. So so I think Sproles is going to have a big game. But but, uh, but the player of the game for uh, the Saints is going to be Hawker. He's going to rebound out, outdoors. It's going to be windy, and he's going to he's gonna nail a bunch of field goals. You, you a pothead, Hawker? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Hawker is out of the circle of trust after after yesterday. Um, the Eagles are giving up 97 yards per game on the ground, and um, not bad. Not bad. I'm gonna say this though. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the Saints to win. There you go, Ralph. Come and on. And here's man. the here's the re- come over to the here's the re- here's the reason why. Chip Kelly. The Eagles fans loved him that first year. They were a little bit bumpy with him the second year. They they are two bad Sam Bradford series from turning on that Eagles team. Like and it doesn't even need to be an interception like like Andrew says the Saints are due to get just by luck or a, or something. They cuz cuz the Eagles the thing is they run that no huddle. So if they go three and out like quick that they won't even have the ball hardly for like a minute between two drives. So they're two bad drives away from that crowd really turning on the Eagles. So that's one reason I think the Saints are going to – I think the Saints defense is going to push that offensive line for the Eagles around. That's my number one re- – that's my main reason as far as game, actual strategy. When I, but the, the main reason why the, the Saints are going to win is that uh, I have to go to baptismal classes for my soon-to-be child at 2 o'clock. So What's a baptismal class? What you got when you're Catholic, man. You got to go to the classes. You got to you got to you got to know everything. You, gotta, you know, it's, I'm don't... Catholic. I didn't go to any baptismal well, classes. for your kids. Well, that's how they do it in Houston. Yeah. So I got to go to two of these classes. I got to go at two. So I'm telling you, I'm wait. Gonna... It's just like a one-time class. No, right? it's, I got to go this time, and what I got to and I got to go. During... I did pre-Cana before we got and I gotta, married. Yeah, but... we did that too. You, and you got to go this time, Andrew, and I got to go another time. I think. I yeah, go... I didn't have to do anything. And I got to like go that. in that's November. True. I met with the pre. Priest one time for yeah. like 15 so, minutes. I'm Catholic too. I, I they don't make do, us do oh, yeah, that no, craziness. So I got to do yeah, that for two that. Saints. So like it's two two of the Saints games. I'm gonna miss like the third and fourth quarter. So this crazy stuff's gonna happen, and the Saints are gonna win 35-21. But but it'll be twenty. It but, be baptized. but it'll be 21-21 when I go into the into the class, and then <laughs> the craziness will ensue, and they will win, and um. It's going to be fire Chip Kelly. He's not a genius. Uh, that's going to be all the rage next week. Yeah, on speaking ESPN. of scheduling conflicts, I have a coworker who invited me to her wedding, and they just announced <laughs> they just announced the LSU Florida the the kickoff time, which is a crushing blow. 
because it will be right smack dab in the middle of the two, wedding. Is two thirty kickoff? No, it's a seven o'clock kickoff, and that's like when dinner starts. So it's like the worst possible time. Basically, like the entire reception is the game. Here's the thing. Um, well, I mean, so that's why God made smartphones. Where are they? Are they in Louisiana, yeah. Andrew? Yeah, but that's fine. It's David. It, it's it's not that I, I can't watch the game. Or it's not that I can't be up to date on what the score is. It's that I can't sit on my couch and enjoy watching <laughs> the game with a beer. Instead, I have to small talk with. A bunch of family well, members. Andrew, of the these people are they from? Bar, know. Though, right? Andrew, is it a Virginia bar, wedding or is it a Louisiana family wedding? It's a Virginia wedding. See, that's but see, Virginia's not really that's college football crazy. So they would they don't have the. I don't think people in Virginia have the whole thing of like. Oh yeah, I don't. You, I don't think this girl's ever even heard of football. Yeah, so like Louisiana people would never do that, and in the South in no. general, like they would know better. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. And yeah. I have to go. And it's well, LSU, Florida. I mean, it's going to be a huge game. Yeah. Because I'm was... disgusted. I'm I'm absolutely disgusted. Yeah. How much do you, do you really like them, or do you? I, mean, I guess it's just more like I've already RSVP'd yes. And well, then now, if you to... RSVP and you don't show up, they send you a bill for the meal. I That's right. That's right. <laughs> My wife, the wedding planner, is like My wife. My wife. My wife. Right. Um. So. Andrew picked to lose, Dave picked to win, I picked to win. Kevin, who's on IR, designated to return. Um, maybe never. Maybe never, but he'll be back. He's he's, just, he's trying to be he's trying to be the next Ric Flair. I'm pretty I sure he's if... picking the Saints to win. Yeah, he hates the I Eagles. Don't know if I want he him does. Back. He does hate the Eagles. Are in his top like Pittsburgh and the Eagles. He hates them. But yeah. I, I just think. I just think this is a win. It's a winnable game for the Saints, and I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's winnable. I just. Just don't think they're going to win. So, yeah. So, for everybody, thanks for emailing everybody. We had a, I mean, not emailing, the, the Twitter questions. They were fun. And, um, you know, the Saints won, so be happy. Uh, don't so, worry. So, go to Saints Nation. Andrew's got his grades up. Be happy. And uh, Dave's got <laughs> Canal. Dave's got don't stuff on Canal Street Chronicles. Don't be happy. Uh, so. For Dave, for Andrew, uh, I'm Ralph, for MIA Kevin. Uh, until next week, the bar is closed. Go Astros. Don't worry, be happy.